conversations around good. Yo, we talking. The conversations around good. Yo, yo, we talking. Yo. Conversations, conversations, conversations around the good. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am so excited that you're about to listen in on another episode of the Made Possible by Podcast. I wanted to take a quick second to let you know exactly what we do. Made Possible by makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provide a more effective way to share their stories of good. Now let's jump into the podcast. Welcome to the Made Possible by Podcast, where we have conversations around good with community-minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another conversation around good. I am Tracy with Made Possible By, and we do several things that Made Possible, but one of the things we do is we make good loud. We love to share stories of good, and this is one of my, I say this every episode almost, but this is one of my favorite parts of my role that I get to meet people from around the world who are choosing to invest in their community. And I have to say, I'm really excited for today's conversation because it involves baseball and we are a baseball family in my house so um, I know you can't see my guest but she has a picture of Jackie Robinson sliding into home base um, on her wall and she's got a picture of Fenway Park on the other one so just uh, it just makes me happy to see those things so let me introduce my guest to you I have Miss Carol Herrick she is the executive director of the Oklahoma City Dodgers Baseball Foundation so Carol thank you for joining us today I know that you are crazy busy uh, I don't know listeners when you're listening but it is May uh, spring of 2021 and baseball is we're full in right everything's rolling Baseball is back and we are just so excited to be welcoming fans back to the to the ballpark for sure. And I'm I'm pretty sure it's happening in every baseball community across the country. Uh it's it's I mean they were very creative. MLB was with the the placards of, you know, the what I don't know what you call those. What do you call? You probably know. What do you call those? Placards are good. Uh, the 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 cutouts of the fans. Yes, the yeah. the people cutouts that were in the stand. And some of them are hilarious. I saw one. I don't remember whose ballpark it was, but uh, Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's was right behind <laughs> yeah. home plate. You know, and some of them are really creative. But it it is fun to see humans back in the stands. I I remember the first game we watched, and there were humans, and it kind of. Well, no, it was last season. It was last season. I think there was a bullpen that had some people, but the bullpen was in the stands. For some reason, the players were sitting up in the stands and somebody moved and it took us off guard because we were used to the placards not moving. So, but it's really fun to have people back. It is. And it's, it's been really fun to see how, um, how excited people are to be back in the ballpark. It, It definitely has given us a lot of energy because, you know, you prepare for um, these games and, and, you know, it's, there's just been so many changes and challenges this year that um, were both expected and not expected that, um, you know, it's really nice to get that gratification at the end of every home game. Yes. We're, we're, we're super happy. 
Uh, I'm so excited. We have tickets for several games down the road uh, to come see the Dodgers. Mm. So, yay, we're excited. Double headers are my favorite because you just spend the whole day there and just <laughs> eat a bunch of ballpark food, which isn't necessarily great for you, but that's okay because that's baseball. You know, that's exactly right. And, you know, everything from Cracker Jacks and popcorn to Dodgers dogs, right? Yes, exactly. We, our family likes to tour ballparks and we went to see the Cubbies. Oh gosh, it's probably been eight years or so, but I'm not a big hot dog person, but their hot dogs were really, really good. Uh, More kind of a brat kind of a situation, but you know, it's Chicago, so it's going to be really good. So, but that was fun. So I want to give you a little bit, uh, listeners, I want to tell you a little bit about Carol's background. After working for the Department of Army for 10 years in family readiness, Carol transitioned to working for various nonprofits at the local and national level. She was named Employee of the Year for her work at Operation Homefront, a prominent national nonprofit that serves military families and wounded warriors. Thank you for doing that. That's that's sometimes yeah that that demographic can get overlooked i think sometimes so Mm -hmm. thank you for being a part of that and as the senior director of field operations she managed 17 field offices across the u.s and developed national programming such as holiday meals for military back to school brigade and home front celebrations. I've been to several home front celebrations when i'm assuming i shouldn't say that is that when they come home no, I've, okay. I've also done a lot of welcome home ceremonies welcome too. Home. Um, this is this is a an event for military spouses to just celebrate being a military spouse and um, all the challenges that go along with that. Uh, yes, one of my dearest friends, her husband is a colonel in the National Guard, and he's had three deployments and. I was happy to be her 911 person that when he was gone, that she just texted me 911 or she had a little emoji. I need something and I need you to call me right now. It's like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh-huh. But I was, when I was mistakenly thinking of the ret- return home ceremonies, there's nothing like that. Listeners, if you've never yeah. gone to one of those, you definitely, it's, it's very moving. It is indeed. And I've both experienced that as a spouse waiting for her husband to come back and as a um, an employee welcoming back units mm-hmm. through the army system. So it's it's just, and there's really, there are no words. You just have to experience it. You do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. You do. Uh, Carol's also worked, oh, excuse me, Carol has worked for the Oklahoma City Dodgers Baseball Foundation since May of 2019. Uh, The Oklahoma City Dodgers Baseball Foundation was established in March of 2015 as a mission to support the Oklahoma community through creative partnerships, charitable contributions, and programming initiatives. Carol loves working with the nonprofit sector. She enjoys building relationships in order to facilitate impact in her community. She believes that the best assistance we can give is not just always writing a check. It's finding the right resources and connecting people. I, I love that perspective because I think very often we we talk about this a lot. It made possible that people box giving to just writing a check. And sometimes writing a check is the easy way out. And sometimes it's more meaningful. I mean, clearly, don't get me wrong. You have to, you got to have money or these nonprofits don't work. Mm-hmm. But sometimes Absolutely. it's 
more beneficial, not just for the nonprofit, but for the person volunteering to get out there and volunteer and to get involved. So I like that the Dodgers think bigger than just writing a check. I was just going to say one time um, I used to do uh, emergency assistance in my very early days at Operation Homefront. And one of my favorite cases that I love to talk about is we had a soldier who needed help with his friend because he had had to pay for two funerals for his family. He'd had two family members who had died close together and he was the responsible employed uh, member of the family. And so he, he had just paid out of pocket for all of that. And so he came to me and he had a, a rent due of about $600. And he was not somebody that I could serve because of our mission, but I picked up the phone and I brought three different nonprofits together and they each put in $200 and we got his rent taken care of. There you go. And that's what I mean by you don't always have to be the one writing the check. You just have to know what's in your community and know who can assist and then walk people through it. Don't just refer them out. You know, it's important sometimes when people are in crisis and they don't know where to go, just being that person who can listen and say, I'm not the right person for you, but I know who is. It's just, it's, I mean, it's just such a great feeling to be able to help people in that way. And you get all the, all the goodness and, and um, all the good goosebumps from helping in that way as well. Absolutely. It's just slowing down, taking the time to listen and to care, right? To care when somebody's in crisis. Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, Carol's also a lifelong baseball fan. She grew up in New England Mm -hmm. and loves to watch the Boston Red Sox. She lives in Oklahoma with her husband of 29 years. That's an accomplishment right there. Congratulations. 29 years. Thank you. 30 years now. Woo, 30 years. There you go. And uh, he is a retired first sergeant, Donald Herrick, and they have two adult children, Jessica and Matthew. So again, Carol, thank you again for taking time with us today. So tell us something unique about you and something that brought you joy this week. Well, um, let me start by talking about what brought me joy. I have a lot of joy, actually. I, you know, um, it was really hard for me to think through um, some of the things that have happened this week as far as watching families at the game and just hearing the crack of a bat was mm. wonderful. Uh, but I think where I felt um, the most joy was we had we have started an Oklahoma City Youth Sports Coalition and we had our very first meeting this week and just really, really impressed Um, with both the resiliency and the um, creative ideas around the room. It just, you know, coming out of COVID, we had everybody from the YMCA to River Sport to um, Police Athletic League all sitting around the table trying to figure out where we go next and how we can best serve kids together. And that kind of feeds into what's unique about me. I like teams. Like, I know that is silly, but I love being part of a team. I love, I love the creative synergy that you can get. I love, um, I love team building. I like a good icebreaker. Um, I, I think that when everybody brings their best to the table, you just get a better product. And, you know, I'm pretty confident in what I know and what I can do, but anytime I've been part of a team or assembled a team to make the product better it it just it blows 
past my expectations and just really does, um, it just, it makes a huge difference when you have all that input. I tell people all the time, I'm a really good big picture thinker, but I need help remembering where the porta potties could go. So <laughs> it's really important for me to have good people who can can think through those details sometimes. And um, I just love I love that that team philosophy and just you know I think that probably is why I landed here. I you know in team sports. Um, it's, it's just so great to be part of the team at the Dodgers, part of minor league baseball has another team. And then to be part of the Oklahoma city nonprofit sector, another team. And so I, I just, I get a lot of, um, a lot of energy and, um, satisfaction from, from that. Uh, I love that. There's something about great synergy, right? When you just get mm-hmm. the right people in the room and that sounds like a really great mixture there to help with kids. I'd love to hear more about that program. Do you have some details that you can share with us? Well, it, like I said, there, it, we just formed this week and excited to see what happens going forward. But, you know, it just, it was a good first step. And I, I look for this group to do some really amazing things as we kind of move out of COVID and make sure that kids have access to opportunities to play whatever sport they want. And that was what was exciting to me. You know, we had every sport represented pretty much and uh, Parks and Rec was there, which is one of our partners. And so it was just really great to see that there were 20 people committed at that meeting to to make a difference in this community. So nice. Um, more I information. Wanna- Yes, I want to stay. I want to stay on top of that. I want to share that story because anything that's about kids, we're you know we love to share those good stories. So that's so cool. Absolutely. So you're a lifelong baseball fan. Tell us who do you have a favorite player? You know, I do. Um, I have a couple. Okay. <laughs> um, I you know I love Jason Baratek, who okay. is. Um, the longtime uh, famous captain of the Red Sox um, and uh, famously um, slugged Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> so I'll put that out there. But, you know, I love players who are really scrappy and play for the love of the game. You know, they may have not been the right size or the right athletic build for their position, but they just have so much heart. So when I think about that, I think of players like Dustin Pedroia, who is just, you know, somebody who's all heart. Yeah, he's tiny. He's taller. (laughs) And, you know, he's, um, but he's got such a passion for the game and just, you know, can fire up a, um, a dugout faster than anybody with that passion. And on the football side, I think of like a Justin, a Julian Edelman, same thing, small in stature, big in heart. And I love watching those kinds of players. Um, also love the fact that I have, you know, both my teams, the Dodgers and the Red Sox seem to change players quite often. So, you know, if I had to, if we had to trade Mookie Betts, he went to my work team. So, you know, it's um, absolutely fun to watch him. I think, you know, people who enjoy the game and have just just that lightness about them, it's fun to watch. But, but Jason Veritek has always been special to me because I just, I always liked how he commanded that catcher's position and um, thought he did a great job, but Dustin is pretty special. Anywhere is my favorite number, 15. Too. Okay. What makes that your favorite number? 
It's my birthday. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it is interesting how when players get traded, how your loyalties can shift a little bit. Um, we're from Colorado, so our with Rockies fans, and we had uh, DJ LeMahieu and um, Ornato were both traded this last year. So we're watching St. Louis. We've never really paid attention to St. Louis, but my husband doesn't miss a St. Louis game because he loves <laughs> Arenado. And uh, my son... My son that plays baseball, he the first year he started really paying attention to MLB was the year that the Yankees were in the World Series. And so that was like a dream team that year. I mean, it was just amazing. But um, so but we've kind of watched the Yankees. That isn't a total different, you know, a completely new team for us. But not everybody likes the Yankees, especially I'm sure your your crew. Your crew doesn't like the Yankees. <laughs> you know, that's a rivalry for it sure. Is. Um, and I have a lot of friends that are Yankees fans. And um, I will tell you, as a lifelong baseball fan uh, or Red Sox fan, actually a New England sports fan. Yeah. I will say that I have learned not to smack talk until after the game. <laughs> <laughs> My Yankees friends don't always, you know, follow that philosophy. Yeah. They like to smack talk on the front end, but that's yeah. okay. It's, yeah. it's good. Yankees it's all in fun. Fans, they kind of remind me of OU fans a little bit and that they're very vocal all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's a good way to say it. I don't know. But we love you. We love you all. We appreciate that. I love the moments when there was a player for uh, the Mets, I believe it was, that he just, was it the Mets had several people out with COVID this last week? I think that was the Mets. I could mm -hmm. be that. But there's a player that was called up and he got his first major league hit. And it was just so fun to watch him be so excited and the crowd to be excited for them. I love those moments that people, I, there's something I feel about baseball that just is encouraging. I don't know. There's, there's, and maybe that's just me. I feel of all the sports. Mm, I think you're right. I think I really feel like they have fun in the dugouts. There's very little uh, egos, you know, that you get to see. It's more team things and they do goofy things. And But they're just – go ahead. I was just going to say you need both sides. You need, you need defense and offense um, probably in baseball more than some of the other sports, I think. And and I think we can all relate to it because it is, they call it the game of life. You know, I mean, it's, you're going to get up to bat and you're not always going to hit the ball, but you got to keep trying. And it's, it's that hope that we all look for, I think. Hmm. Um, and that's what makes baseball a little special because Again, don't have to look a certain way or be a certain build. You can play with heart and you can have a great on-base percentage by not hitting a ball, but just being spunky and bunting. And there's just so many ways to, mm -hmm. to be successful. And I think that that's what we love about it. Mm -hmm. And I love seeing the players interact on the field um, with yeah. the opponent's team. You know, they're joking around out there. Or, you know, you see the second baseman, the shortstop, or the first baseman, you know, talk mm -hmm. to the players. My son's played travel ball for many years. And so he knows people from all over the place. And I love sure. to see him out there joking around with somebody that he's either played with or played against. You know, I mean, they're my son's going to be a senior this year. So he's not a little kid out there, you know, which you would expect that. But I love just that there's still just a, this camaraderie 
in ball. And I don't know that it inspires me. It makes it fun just to sit there and watch and get involved. One of my favorite stories this week was um, you've probably seen Kevin Pillar was hit with a horrible. And, and, you know, there were some great tweets that were going out from his teammates about how he showed up for practice the next day and said, am I in the lineup? You know, Uh, but my favorite was he made sure to text the pitcher who threw the ball and tell him, hey, don't don't stop throwing that good stuff. You know, this happened. Shake it off. Um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're doing great. And I thought that that was just a great example of sportsmanship and just looking out for one another. You know, sometimes life breaks away that you didn't expect. And, you know, to, to have someone's back like that, just that, I thought that was pretty classy and pretty special, not uncommon. No. Um, in the sports world. Yes. I, I so appreciate that. There was a, my husband would be really disappointed in me that I can't think of the players' names, but I guess they ran out of pitching. That one team ran out of pitching, and so they brought in somebody else from the infield to pitch or the outfield to pitch, and and he actually wow. struck his buddy out. You know, just surprisingly was able to strike. You know, and they're just laughing. Wow. They're just having fun, supporting one another. Mm-hmm. I just, I love it. I love it. I didn't think I would be this involved in baseball in my life growing up, but I just fell in love with the sport. So we could keep talking baseball for a long time. So listeners, I won't won't subject you to that because you may not really enjoy baseball as much as we do. When people ask you about your business, what do you say? How do you describe your products or services? Are you selling yourself short because you just can't put it into words? You're good at what you do, but it's not always easy to communicate how you're great at your work with simplicity. But now you have help. My friend Andrea at Strategic Hype will help you clarify your mission and communicate your value with a hype kit. This process will help you cut through the noise and share the best of what you do. We recently did a hype kit for Made Possible By, and it has allowed us to really simplify our message in order to get greater reach. For details on all the good stuff you'll get out of this hype kit, email andrea at strategic-hype.com or reach out to us and we will personally connect you. What's good, people? Hey, this is Hetty again. I just want to, first of all, let's give a shout out to Tracy, our great host uh, for the conversation around good podcasts. We also want to give a shout out to another one of our sponsors, and that sponsor is Plenty Mercantile. We love, love, love the team at Plenty Mercantile. They have been great supporters of our platform and so we're thankful that they are now sponsoring this podcast so that we can get great stories, inspiring stories out to you, the listener. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the story. It's been around since 2012. They have several locations. They have one in uh, downtown Oklahoma City in the historic Automobile Alley. They have one in 
Edmond at Spring Creek, and then also one in Chisholm Creek. And uh, the downtown store has a great rooftop venue and a warehouse for events. So uh, please check them out. You can go to their website at www.plentymercantile.com. And there you'll also find all their social handles. I follow them. Uh, the Made Possible our team follows them. So we want you to go follow them as well. And they would love to meet you. So go ahead and stop by one of their locations and just always remember, shopping uh, at local retailers make makes a big difference. All right, let's jump into this episode. I'm tossing it over to Tracy. So tell us a little bit about um, the foundations programs i you had mentioned earlier um when we offline about two of them in particular the rookie league and the stepping up to the plate speaker series tell us a little bit more about that and other ones if you want to mention them as well sure so rookie league is a partnership between the oklahoma city dodgers and oklahoma city parks and recreation and it started a couple years ago um 2018 i believe and it it was Parks and Rec came to the Dodgers with a simple request. They had had to cancel the league uh, because they didn't have enough players. And so they thought, look, you have the stadium, you've got baseball fans. Could you help us market um, our, our baseball league so that we can have enough players to actually host a league? And when our team president, Michael Burns, really looked at that, he said, well, I think we can do more than that. And then we began, began a partnership with them that where the Dodgers paid for jerseys, hats, um, all the equipment, um, and Parks and Rec continues to facilitate the league, but we, um, we also just highlighted and um, what they were doing and amplified um, the rookie league across not just in stadium, but our social media pages and all of that. So we've given them a lot of support um, throughout the years. And that first year we had about 200 and I think they said 200 and let's say 20 players. Um, and then the second year they had grown by 40%. Um, and then the third year was our COVID year. Um, so we had to, we had to cancel the league, but before we did, we had 450 registrations. So we had just about doubled from year one. This year, we actually hosted our league and we just completed um, our play uh, last weekend. And we had 315 kids, 28 teams, and we do everything from 10, 10 and under. So we have T-ball, uh, four and under, six and under, and then, um, then we have the older kids, eight and under and 10 under, so four different leagues. Um, and I'll tell you, having been to one of those games uh, very early in the season, it was it was just so incredibly impressive. Not only is it fun to watch kids learn how to play baseball, especially when they don't know which direction to run in. Yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> um, or how to quite hit the ball off the tee yet. But what was really heartwarming was to watch how patient all of those coaches and assistants coach assistant coaches were with those kids, you know, they were just pouring into those kids like 
in ways that I just didn't expect. And from very early in the season, I could tell we had a really special group of adults that were were ready to um, teach baseball. So that was fun. Uh, there's nothing like a t-ball game. If I <laughs> if I have time and I see a t-ball game, I'm going to stop. But even if I have known no one out there, because they're just precious. And they you're are. right. They run the wrong direction. They, instead of throwing the ball, they'll run it to first base. You know, I mean, it's just, but it's so fun to watch them. It learn is. It. And it's so fun to see the transition from that four and under to the, even the eight and under, because they've grown so much physically and their game has grown so much mm-hmm. in that short amount of time. And it's just, it's so fun to watch them get it. You know, and and to to enjoy it, and that's really our our goal with rookie league. It's not really to um, make professional ball players or get them college scholarships down the road. It's to introduce them to the game and give them the opportunity to play, and that they get leadership experience, they get uh, opportunities to work on a team. Um, that's that's what it's all about for us. We just want to create opportunities so that. If there are barriers, baseball is an expensive sport. As someone with a with a son who plays, you know, and and we want to remove some of those barriers. And so the foundation has traditionally um, paid scholarships for families who could not afford the fifty five dollars to play, or for teams that that assembled and couldn't afford the. the mm-hmm. So um, so we've just we've really made this a cornerstone of not just the the foundation, but also the Dodgers team. This is a passion project for them as well. Oh, I I love barriers being removed for kids to get out and try things because, you know, Mm -hmm. parents have to sometimes make hard choices and you're right. It's not inexpensive to do this. So thank you, Dodgers Foundation, for doing that. And shout out to all of you coaches. It takes special Mm -hmm. people to coach kids. It really does, especially the ones who, like you said, are very uh, passionate, but yet patient, you know, teaching the kids. And some of my favorite memories are when my baseball player was little bitty and the parents would still be out on the field with the kids to help them learn. And, and you just look back at those pictures, the pictures now, and it's, it's hilarious to look at, but my husband was never a coach because I don't think he has the patience to do that. So (laughs) shout out to all of the kids, all the parents who, who, all the great people who coached my son. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) So give yourself a pat on the back if you coached a kid. So thank you for doing that. And then the Stepping Up to the Plate Speaker Series. Tell us about that. So this this really was a program that was um, kind of birthed birth through COVID. Um, so we we had to pause a lot of our fundraising during um, COVID because, you know, we weren't assembling and we had planned a golf tournament that we didn't feel comfortable doing. And we wanted to do some kind of event just to, to get out the word foundation has gone through a lot of significant changes in the last year and we wanted to let people know what was happening with us and how we were moving forward into 2021 and we thought it would be a good opportunity to to create a virtual fundraiser so what we did was we um we launched stepping up to the plate and it was 
a free event um, where we would bring in a guest speaker. Our first one was Joe Davis, who is um, the announcer broadcaster for the LA Dodgers. And they sit down and have a conversation with our, our team broadcaster, Alex Friedman, who's also a foundation board member. And the audience gets an opportunity to ask questions. Um, so we we found it to be incredibly successful. We let people know, hey, if you'd like to make a donation, this is where you would go. And we raised a little bit of money so that we could provide scholarships for Rookie League. But what we, what we discovered is we have an, a unique platform to really bring in people from all over the country who like to talk about sports and really make sure that people in our network, either our season ticket holders, our nonprofit executives and um, program directors or whomever have an opportunity to really listen to and be motivated by these speakers. So we've done two. Um, first, we did, like I said, Joe Davis. Second, we did Irvin Randall, who is a retired NFL player and um, has the unique distinction of having played for both of this year's Super Bowl teams, Kansas City and Tampa Bay. And, you know, what we did with that one, which was unique, was we invited um, some of our nonprofit youth sports organizations that host football leagues. And so they, the feedback from that was, oh, gosh, I feel so motivated to keep going and to keep growing my league because it can make such a difference. Look what it did for Herb. He was, you know, a, he was a, a kid in a very small town in Texas and had a single mom. And he, the comment he made to me that will stick with me for the rest of my life was I really wanted to play baseball, but it was too expensive and football provided all the equipment I needed. So I played football and you know, that that drives me every day to keep moving for Rookie League, you know, so it, it just it was it's such a great opportunity for people to be inspired. It's an hour out of your out of your week. Um, we do them about four times a year and we're always looking for great guest speakers so that we can bring somebody new to this market. Uh, you're right. COVID really did open doors, you know, and people mm -hmm. being able to do those digital, I, I just blanked the word, digital sessions, I guess you would say, you know, yeah. with people, mm -hmm. it's, it's completely okay now when we can't gather in person or maybe, well, it's totally shifting. We're going to be gathering that way from now on. I mean, whether we get in person or not, but we will have a bigger use of the virtual events. And that was a great pivot. Well, and you know, the thing of it is too, is it's so much more efficient for a nonprofit. You know, we talk about, you know, making the most of donor money all the time. And when a hundred percent of an event can go directly to serve those that you are, are serving, I think that that that's impactful. You know, if you're hosting an event with with lunch and a speaker and all of a facility, sometimes, you know, those expenses can overwhelm the good that you're trying to do. And so, you know, for us to, to really have the greatest impact on the kids we're trying to serve, this has really proven to be a, a good format for us. And, and it also allows us to bring in people all over the country. Um, 
so that, you know, they can be in Oklahoma City, in Oklahoma City, which I think is probably one of the nicest cities in the, in the, in the country. And they get that experience and that hospitality. Yes. Uh, I, I, I completely agree. I was, I recently, I was on a webinar with the Memorial Better Conversations group that they do. They have great conversations. Uh, They do different topics every time. But this last one, they had two professional athletes. One was a golfer and one was a professional catcher. And I can't say his last name, professional baseball player. He's a catcher. He used to go to school in Dell City. And they had classrooms from all over Oklahoma City that were on there and they were able to ask these professional athletes questions. Um, Just straight up, it gave them contact with them that they wouldn't normally have received. So great job with being able to do that type of an event because it's going to open doors for them to be able to, one, see that, hey, I could do that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm capable of doing that and that those are just regular humans and I can talk to them. You know, it kind of takes the mystique off when you can a- actually have a conversation with those people. So I think that's a great idea. Do you have more pl- scheduled coming up? We're working on some. We're, we're going to wait until the season is over and we'll so look for one probably in October and then probably another one by the end of the year. Um, we have several guests in mind. And so we'll see who, who gets, who we get, but we're really excited about being able to bring that. Okay, great. Well, tag us when that stuff comes up and we'll make sure that we help get the word out on that. Cause Thanks. we want to, we want to share more goodness. That's so cool. So tell us are the ways that the Dodgers invests, invests in the communities that you serve. And I will say I, uh, in my previous career, I was uh, the, a chamber president. And so I know the amount of requests that you receive for banquets and golf tournaments. And, and I was always impressed um, with the Dodgers because I would, we would call and say, Hey, can we get a couple tickets, you know, or some gear? And we would get a packet of stuff like whole sets of tickets and hats and pennants and just all sorts of things. And I'm sure that that has changed a little bit because of COVID and things had to adapt a little bit, but what are some other ways? Because you guys, your communities are huge. You're all of Oklahoma, right? I mean, and so you get a lot of asks. So what are some ways that you do that? And maybe some creative ways that you've had to come up with to do, to continue to invest. You know, I think, I think that you're absolutely right. We, we do, a lot of in-kind giving where we will give merch or, or tickets to help uh, organizations and nonprofits raise funds and we'll help them do that um, occasionally. Um, so we do that. And then we, um, we also do a lot of volunteer service projects either through our employee engagement committee. Our front office staff is about, about 30 folks. And so they'll go out um, and do projects quarterly, which is always super fun. Some of the ones we've done in the past have been at the food bank or reading to kids um, on Read America Day or going to play basketball at the Boys and Girls Club, painting. Uh, we helped the Humane Society one year. So we, we do a lot of, of service projects. Um, we sometimes lend expertise to organizations that need help. Let's say you have a nonprofit that maybe has a small staff and doesn't know how to start a social media campaign. We might go in and give them just some coaching and some some help. Because 
like I said, our front office staff is, is not, um, it's not huge, but we have a lot of great professionals that are always willing to help someone else. And so that's always been fun to facilitate. Um, we also have a community night out program and it's, it's broader than just a night, but we, we have, um, we give ticket grants basically. And what that is, is people are invited, nonprofits are invited to a workshop where we go over opportunities to use the ballpark. And so, um, if you wanted to have a meeting here, if you wanted to have an offsite retreat, if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to host a fundraiser with, either our ticket sales program or some of the other elements in the ballpark, we kind of go through what that looks like. But we we do five to six nights a year where we give out blocks of tickets to nonprofit organizations. Um, typically, we, we do about 30 groups, about 3,000 tickets, um, and we help them figure out how to best use them. We don't put any per, uh, any restrictions on how they use them, but we want to make sure that they'll be utilized because we have a responsibility to our donors and we want to make sure that we help them find a good fit. So if it's, you know, they want to give them as a direct service to their client, that's great. If they want to give them as volunteer appreciation opportunities, we're happy to help them and support that. If it's a donor, thank you. That's great too. We just, we like to know so that we can help them figure out the best way to use it. I'll just give you a great example of if you're giving it to a client who's homeless, but they don't have a ride to the ballpark, how are they going to use it? So we want to make sure that if there are barriers to getting people to the ballpark to utilize the gift, that we're also working through those strategies with partners that we have or partners that maybe the nonprofit has. So we've been really successful on having those conversations and, and really making a difference. That way. And it's always fun to see, um, you know, families come and enjoy a game that maybe hadn't been able to before and, um, or to see, you know, volunteers who've been working super hard packing bags at the food bank come out and have a good time where somebody celebrates them. And so, you know, it's something that we can do and we're happy to do it. Um, but it's, um, we have a unique forum where we can amplify what they do. And so we try really hard to like you tell good stories and if they're doing good works, we want to, we want to share that and, and let people know if, you know, the homeless Alliance needs gloves for the winter, we're going to share that and make sure that, you know, our, our audience knows that as well. And so those are just some of the fun things we get to do and really foot stomp and, and clap this, this sector on. And I love being able to do that. I really see some great creativity there. And then just utilizing the platform that you were given, mm -hmm. you know, just what you said about if Homeless Alliance has a need, you have a platform to share that need. That's maybe bigger than what they have, or I'm sure you have some overlap, but it's going to connect with some people that wouldn't necessarily know that need. And you talked again about removing barriers. If nonprofits want to use some of those tickets and let some homeless people go, but they don't have a ride there, you're going to help solve that problem. And again, it's removing barriers. And you wouldn't think of a professional baseball team doing those kind of things. So that's inspiring to me. 
Well, you know, when when we started to, 2020 was just an interesting year. It forced everyone, I think, to be resilient and creative, which are two things that I, I absolutely love to challenge myself to be. Um, I learned that working for the for the army and, you know, where you hurry up and wait all the time and you have to, you know, sometimes you just had to, you had to go with what you could do in the moment and be very present. And so when I, when 2020 happened, I, I found myself almost, I don't want to say thriving because I, I don't know that that's correct either, but really it didn't shake me. Um, it felt very familiar to me. And so I, I felt like this was an opportunity to really look at everything we were doing, figuring out how we could just maybe pivot just a little bit to make it uh, fit the, the circumstances that we were in. And I think we were pretty successful with that. And I cannot tell you um, that enough how how wonderful our board of directors and and our team has been in, in being part of that and having those conversations and really being uh, open to new ideas and, and different ways of doing things. And so that was that was pretty instrumental. But one of the things that really I had to really think through was we issued a, a diversity and inclusion statement that was very important uh, for our board of directors. And though it was very much their product and something that they felt very strongly about. And I, of course I support, um, I thought, how are other ways I can create diversity and inclusion across the business, not just at the board of directors level, but in our programming, in our fundraising, in, in how we just interact in the community. And so I've, I have always really worked to, to, like you said, remove barriers and to be inclusive, but it has really challenged me in new ways to think through, do we really need to do a golf tournament at a golf course that's going to cost $250 a player? Is that inclusive or would it be better to do an event at Top Golf where it's $65, which is what you would pay if you went to, to Top Golf probably anyways? And and can we make the teams bigger so that the fee is is less and it just really looking at ways to, you know, make people want to come to the ballpark and be part of this experience. And so I think we've done a really great job of finding those opportunities and making them happen. Oh, that's beautiful because we need we need inclusion right now because we're all in this together, no matter what your demographic looks like, no matter what your bank account looks like. It doesn't matter because we're in this together and we need to find creative ways to support one another. I love that you're, yes, absolutely. And I love that your front staff, I would never think, Hey, I'm going to call the Oklahoma city Dodgers and see if they can give me some social media help, you know, but you you're helping nonprofits with their social media, which social media is just, Oh my gosh, it's a beast of itself. So what a great idea. I love that. Well, you know, we've we've really had a good time looking at I've really had a good time looking at all the assets and that we have and and figuring out ways um, to use them. You know, having been in the nonprofit world for a while and having started as a shop of one, uh, I know how helpful it can be to just have 
a partner to, to say, no, you're doing a great job. Keep going. You're doing awesome. These are some best practices that, that might help. And there, there are other people who do this too. You know, we are certainly not alone. Um, the center for nonprofits does a great job and, and there are others like ESCO and I've, I've used both of them. Um, we don't, we don't want to duplicate what they do. We just want to add to it and be another voice of positivity for people who are taking care of our community. I mean, when you look at the 150 nonprofits across the state that we have helped in some way, um, they all need encouragement. They all need help, you know, with just just feeling like they're not alone sometimes because it it can be isolating to serve serve people who are in crisis. And we certainly want to be somebody who is an encourager. Uh, I just, I, I really appreciate that thinking outside of the box and being creative. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. So why do you think it's important to give back to the community? Why is that important to you all? Um, well, for me personally, I, I think that the community gives so much to me. I I feel it's my duty to give back. Um, I will say that being being a military family and being away from home, I learned very early that community was so important, you know, and not just the community that you live in, but the military community as a whole is, is worldwide. And I think that my military experience really did shift my idea of what a community is. It went from being a geographical place to being more of a concept. It's where it's where you are. It's where you're present. It's where you're fully, authentically yourself. And it's where you're going to give help and where you're going to get help. Um, I think that, you know, for the Dodgers, it's important for us to be a good partner. And, you know, we're asking people to give, um, give us an opportunity to entertain them and let them put down their worries for a few hours when they come to a game. And we want to be able to to kind of help them get to that point. You know, I mean, it, it's it's really wonderful to be able to give game tickets and it's wonderful to give experiences that we do. But it's also something to be shoulder to shoulder with people and say, hey, we know you're going through a tough time. You know, we we can do this. How can we help you? How can we how can we help you serve the homeless? How can we help you serve those those kids that are, you know, um, coming to your centers and, and need that extra support and those mentors? How can we help you by, um, you know, just showing what a career in in sports looks like how can we how can we make a difference um i think it's very important and that the front office does that um we wish the team was in town a little bit more so that they could do it i bet they do as well um but they this is a very generous organization they are so giving of their not just their their um, money, but they do tie their their talent and their time as well. And so to be able to create this culture of philanthropy here has been just so rewarding. And um, and that, I think, is something that has a ripple effect across the community. Um, and that, to me, is exciting. Mm, that is exciting because you're right. It completely does have a ripple effect. You know, when the nonprofits benefit from your 
uh, your expertise, your wisdom from your generosity that enables them to get out and affect their communities. And, and then their those families can thrive and discover new things. And maybe a kid learned something new. I was on a, I just had a podcast with She's a professional paddleboarder. And we actually met. She listened to a podcast that I did with Brent Allen from Oklahoma City River Sports. And that's how we got connected. But she travels the world as a paddleboarder. Well, she started because she saw a paddleboard when she was on vacation when she was like eight. And her parents encouraged her go ask them if you could check that out. You know, go do that. It was just her parents pushing her, not in a pushy way, you know, but hey, you should go try that out. Yeah. And so when families have those barriers removed and they're able to say, hey, let's try this, you might really enjoy it. Kids' worlds expand, you know, and they're just given new opportunities. Opportunities are a wonderful thing. And just having it modeled for you and the, the fact that anything is possible and, you know, trying new things, whether or not you like them or not, doesn't matter. But as long as you try them and and then you you you're able to discover so much about yourself just by that experience. And, you know, not every kid that plays on rookie league is going to come back the following season. We hope they do, but it's more important to us that they have a good time and they learn that they're capable of great things and that they are important just as they are made and that they have opportunities to move forward and, and try something else if they want to. And that we will, um, will help them find those things too. You know, I mean, if it's sports, great. If it's dance, if it's music, whatever, whatever lights somebody up from inside, you know, we're, we're happy to, to work with families to kind of create those opportunities. So we connect with allied arts and we work with other organizations too, to make sure that we're connected to those groups so that, you know, if our kids need something else, we can definitely get them there. Uh, I love that. I, I don't know who is doing the commercial. It might be Nike. It might be MLB. They play it on the MLB channel, but it's don't be afraid to stink at something, you know, to get out there. Yeah. They just show all these people failing at trying something new. So kids, if you're listening to us and you've never tried a new sport, don't be afraid to get out there and you're probably going to stink at the beginning. And that's okay. Everybody does, but don't be afraid. Get out there and try. And I will tell you, I was a horrible horrible softball player and look at me now working in baseball so. <laughs> you just never know and it's okay it's okay oh goodness well carol what is your motivational statement or your call to action what do you want to leave us with today you know i i like to tell people that you are always in a position to give help and you're always in a position to get help and to be open to both um, you know, and it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be that you need money or you need anything tangible, but be open and listen to people and be receptive to advice and um, opportunities and, and give opportunities where you can. Um, I think a lot of times we we don't make the most of the things that we have. And so if you kind of go into it with that mindset of, Hey, I, today I'm going to give help and I'm going to get help. Hmm. And you just you just have a a different ending at the end of the day. Hmm. Uh, I really like that. And that think of your skills and what you could offer to help someone. 
And just like the person in your office who helped somebody with social media, you know, you may, to you, that might be completely easy to do. Um, but for somebody else, it might be challenging and you offering to help could be a big difference. So everybody has skills. Don't, if you're listening, please do not think for one second that you don't have skills because you do, you have something that you can give back. So look for that way. Absolutely. Thank you, Carol. That's a great challenge because very often we can live with blinders on and just focus on what we've got going on instead of seeing a need out in the world that we can meet. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I think that that's definitely something that being a military family has challenged me on is just, you know, you it's a melting pot of America and you see people from all different walks of life and, and they become your family. And so, you know, being able to, maybe bring a bowl of soup to one and maybe next week you're the one who needs a bowl of soup. And it's just, it's always just stuck with me that we are always in that position to, to do something for someone else and to let people help us as well. And to be part of that. And that's definitely a, that's a community. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a perfect definition. Thank you. And thank you again, Carol, for taking the time uh, to meet with us today. We really appreciate your perspective. perspective. We appreciate the Dodgers Foundation and the ways that you guys just continue to invest in your communities. So thank you again. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. And listeners, thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good. Please don't forget to like, tag, comment, share, uh, give a podcast review, all those things that help us expand our reach and to be able to spread more stories of good. If you know of an organization or a business or an individual that's doing cool things in their community, go to madepossibleby.us, click podcast, and there's a place to sign them up to share their story. You might want to tell them in advance that you're signing them up because I'm going to reach out to them and they're going to have no idea what's going on. So give them a heads up before you sign them up. And quick shout out to our wonderful sponsors. Thank you to Plenty Mercantile and to Strategic Hype. You guys are amazing. Go to our website. We'll get you hooked up with more information on them. So don't forget forget to get out there and do your own version of good. Thank you for joining us for another conversation around good. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on a story of good. Made Possible By makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provides a better way to share their stories of good. Go to madepossibleby.us for more information or to sign up to be a guest on our podcast. Now, get out there and make good loud. Thank you.